Thank you guys so much. I would love to do just what that song was and just spend a moment saying thank you to the Lord. Can we just do that? Can we lift up our voices and just say thank you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for who you are, God. We say you are good. Thank you. Thank you for the many, many blessings that you've blessed us with. Thank you for your word which guides us, which illuminates our path. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray as we open your word today that you would speak, that this would not just be a time for us to be together, God, but that we would be equipped to do what you've called us each to do. Lord, we open our hearts to you and invite you to speak today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I want to say thank you to your pastors for having me here. Um, and to Charles, thank you so much. This is so much fun. You guys have great leadership here. Um, this is a house of joy, right? There's like joy in this place. There is energy in this place. And uh, working with Charles uh, and, and Chuck, this has been um, such a spirit of excellence. Like we want to get this right. And I've just been very impressed. And I'm so happy to be here with you today. Um, I did want to know why I wasn't invited on the pumpkin pie week. So <laughs> next week would also have been a good time. I'll come back next year on the Thanksgiving dinner Sunday. Sign me up for that one, right? We are, uh, we just moved here from Indiana, so we're adjusting to what Thanksgiving looks like in different places. Um, this morning, I woke up to my phone blowing up with pictures of the first snow today in Indiana. So, very happy to be in Southern California because this weather's amazing, and it's not snowing here, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So yeah, my husband and I and our daughter just moved here. Uh, we, we moved in, I think, September 1st, actually. So we're very new to the area, new to Southern California. We grew up in the Midwest, have served down in the Deep South, and now here we are on the West Coast. Um, and we've been married for 15 years. We have, uh, my daughter just turned eight, and we've had uh, 12 foster kids over the years. Uh, we've been foster parents for the last four years. Yeah, shout out. Is anyone out there a foster adoptive parent? Anybody? a foster adoptive parent? Awesome, awesome. Um, we have such a heart for that. We see that as an, a step of obedience. Um, I always joke with people, we're not the bleeding heart people that just uh, want to take in kids. I mean, we want to do that, but also just obedience to care for orphans and widows among us. Um, that was a really practical way that we have seen that lived out. Um, and I've been in next-gen ministry, so when we say that, that means basically we say cradle to college. So so young kids, like kids, teenagers, and young adults. So I've been doing this um, full-time since 2008, but I served in kids' ministry even before that. And I have a role with Foursquare um, that's kind of varied, that's a little bit mixed. And if you didn't know, this is a Foursquare church, so you're a part of 1,200 churches here in the U.S. and even more outside the U.S. Foursquare is huge. I don't know if you all know this, but you're a part of a movement that is uh, really focused on the Great Commission around the world. Foursquare denomination is the largest evangelical presence in Turkey, in places like Brazil. We have like 12,000 and churches there. Some, I mean, something crazy. So um, it's good to be with you, be together with our Foursquare family. I get to serve with Foursquare Missions Press, which is the printing arm of our missions department. And I get to basically teach people around the world how to do kids and youth ministry and give them the resources they need. So things like curriculum, like you guys use awesome curriculum here that maybe wouldn't be affordable in other countries. We get to develop that, write it, publish it, purchase it, and ship it overseas for free. It's a huge part of what I get to do. 
but I also get to serve with the Western District. So there's a bunch of churches in the area that I get to oversee um, and just basically do the same thing and, and help kids leaders and, and youth leaders and, and senior pastors, everyone, to, to really reach this generation. You're gonna find, uh, just hearing me today, that I really do believe that this generation could finish the Great Commission, amen? So I think when God said, go into all the, or Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel until all have heard, I think that was like a task to actually finish. Not just a good plan that we could just keep doing this perpetually, but that we could actually finish it. That we could actually tell every person in the world about the saving grace of Jesus. Amen? So I actually think this generation is equipped to do that. I think they're poised for greatness, that they could actually do that, and I really do believe it. I, I'm not just like saying that, I actually believe it, and I say it over and over and over. So I do love young people, I love adults, I love you all as well, um, but I really love um, young people. I got to visit toddlers and kids and youth during worship time, and I took some notes. They want you to know that, it, that they've been really good, and they want good Christmas gifts, just so you know. <laughs> Some of them were stumped, like, oh, one little girl was like thinking so hard when I said, what should I tell your parents? She's like, oh, this is my moment. I, can, I gotta come up with something really good here. Um, raise your hand if you are a parent or a grandparent currently. Keep your hands up. Also, what if you're an aunt, an uncle, or you mentor, you're a teacher, or you have influence over, okay. So most of us have some influence over kids' lives. Um, I really enjoy parenting. Um, and really have a passion to see families and to see churches raise children to follow the Lord. And part of this is very personal to me because I saw something happen in my own daughter. So when my daughter Eleanor was about three, um, we heard from a guy named Pete Scazzaro. If you're familiar with him, he does Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, but he talks about how um, the, the principle of Sabbath is really something for today that we sometimes forget that we get so busy. And I grew up in a, in a Pentecostal charismatic church and we were so excited and always talking and I had really never learned the importance of being quiet <laughs> and hearing from the Lord and resting. I mean, I just, my family's just workaholic, workaholic, workaholic. And I, when I embraced this idea of the Sabbath, something changed and I saw it in my daughter. Here's what happened. We began to say, all right, listen, one day a week, we're not gonna work. I, have a, I lean towards workaholic. Like that would be my biggest struggle is I could just work all the time because I like what I do. <laughs> I, really, I really am passionate about what I do, but I realized I needed to set boundaries because I have my own family to care for. And by the way, it's a principle in scripture. So we started to implement this to say one day a week, we're gonna spend time together. We're gonna stop, we're gonna rest, we're gonna do things we delight in, and we're gonna, we're gonna talk to the Lord, we're gonna spend time with him. So we started to do this pretty routinely, not legalistically like this same day, but just to say, we're just gonna stop for you know, 24 hours. Something clicked with my daughter. She didn't understand it, but I began to see when I disciple her in the ways of the Lord, it changes her life. Here's what happened. We went to the park because it's Sabbath day, so we're gonna do fun things and delightful things. And we were swinging. And I was swinging next to her. She was in kind of her own little world like most toddlers are. And she was singing this. I love Sabbath. She called it Sabbath because she couldn't say Sabbath. I love Sabbath. I don't know what it is, but I swing with mama and eat sprinkles. 
She was singing, she was swinging with mama. She got to eat sprinkles. Something in her came alive. And what I realized is, I was discipling her in something that she could identify, that identified the image of God in her. Something clicked with her and I realized, this is it. This is a biblical principle that I'm teaching my kid and she latched onto it. She is honestly our greatest accountability partner <laughs> for Sabbath. <laughs> when we get in this like rhythm of go, 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 she'll be like, when's Sabbath? Oh yeah, forgot about that. Right? She is our accountability because she gets it. Because we've discipled her and she realizes that what's in God's word is actually true. Could you grab my water bottle? Oh, that bag. So I want to talk about three different things about kind of discipling kids. And when I say kids, I kind of also mean teenagers, just young people in general, just sometimes we call them kids. Thank you. The first thing is that imparting and teaching and discipling and training young people is a great privilege. Do you know that? Everybody say privilege. It's interesting. We look at Psalm 139, 16, which is the one that we all know that says, your eyes saw my unformed, um, saw my substance being unformed. All the days were fashioned to me. We talk about this verse about um, us being formed and, and how all our days are laid out for us. We talk about that verse a lot when we think about babies and kids. Sometimes I think that we forget that that's us. That the kids that you see every day in your neighborhood are there for a reason. That the, the kids God has entrusted you with, the teenagers that live in your home, the, the kids at your school, maybe your teacher, the, the kids that you're an aunt to, like that's not an accident. Do you realize that? that God put you in their life for this season. A lot of times we stand back and we're like, kids these days. Can I get an amen? <laughs> kids these days. But you are the adult in these days, in the lives of those kids these days, amen? You are put there for a reason, for purpose. All your days are, are ordained to be a part of their life. This is a great privilege we have to walk alongside young people to say, I know Jesus, let me share him with you. To say, I questioned that too. Let me, let me tell you what God spoke to me in that moment. It's so interesting that we get to be a part of God's plan for the world, right? God says, here's what I need you to do and you get to be a part of it. And we get to bring along kids and toddlers and teenagers and young adults. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open to 2 Timothy today. 2 Timothy is a letter that Paul wrote. Does anyone know who he wrote it to? Good, this was a trick question. <laughs> I teach kids, remember? Um, we have to be real obvious sometimes, although they are pretty smart. So Paul writes to Timothy. Um, and, and Timothy is kind of like Paul's spiritual son, okay? And he's writing while he's in jail. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, here's what Paul writes. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of it, for you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Catch what he says in verse 14. You know those from whom you learned it. Those implies that it was people. He learned it from people. Now, of course, we know that the Spirit of God can instruct us in everything we need to do. But what Paul's saying to Timothy is that you learned this from people. So I want to look at who. Who were those people that Paul's talking about? 
flip a little further backwards to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1. This gives us a little explanation into who those people could be. It says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So who is this person that he's heard from? Who has Timothy heard from? Paul. You're right. From Paul. Can I just say that I just visited youth and kids and toddlers, and you all are part of their church family. You could be the Paul to the Timothy, right? This was a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter that Paul took under his wing. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. He only wrote to two people, sort of three. Right? We have Timothy, two of those books. We have Titus. Philemon was to Philemon, but also Philemon's house church. Something was important about this relationship between Paul and Timothy, and that's how you get to be in the lives of the kids who are here. Right? Let's look at who else it could be. Some other important people here. If you turn back one more chapter to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul writes in verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. So Paul says, you heard it from me, but you also heard it from who? Mama and grandma. Anybody got a mama and grandma who loves Jesus? Yeah, that's right. I do too. I have a couple of them, a couple grandmas who are super, super prayer warriors and have always prayed, and and of course my mom as well. Interesting that Paul notes that who Timothy is, what he sees in Timothy, the potential that he sees is related to what he's heard from Paul and what he's heard from his mother and what he's heard from his grandma, as if actual people could change the trajectory of Timothy's life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As if people like you could actually change the trajectory of Timothy's life, or of your your kid's life, or of your niece's life, or of the kid in your neighborhood's life. We have the privilege to raise up Timothy's, and Esther's, and Daniel's, and Lydia's, and maybe even Stephen's when it gets really hard. This is a privilege that we've been given, and we have the opportunity to disciple young people that they would understand their identity in Christ. That we'd say, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, so the likes on social media don't actually matter, right? We have the privilege to raise kids and teens who understand, listen, for such a time as this, you can love when everybody else is arguing, right? We can say, like Daniel, it got, it, when it gets tough, we pray more. We don't back down. The lion doesn't scare us. We can raise up teenagers and young people who will be Daniels and Esthers and Timothys. Listen, it's a privilege, but it's also a responsibility. (laughs) We see this all over scripture. If you look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, I'm going to read these six verses, starting in verse 3. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may go well with you, and you may multiply greatly, as the Lord of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you shall be in your heart. Listen to this. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. 
You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. It's a big passage of scripture with a lot of strong uh, verses in there. We have this here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, which became a pivotal scripture. And then the greatest commandment that Jesus tells us is the greatest commandment, right there, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul. And then the one after that is about teaching our kids. Diligently teach them. In verse 7, um, it says, my version that I read today said, teach them diligently. Other versions say, impress them on your children. Other versions say, repeat them again and again and again to your children. What's interesting, the Hebrew word in verse 7 is actually more like sharpen. That teaching is really more like sharpening. So we're to sharpen young people when we're sitting, when we're walking, when we're going to bed, when we're getting up. This means we take every moment to point to the Lord. We take every moment uh, to make decisions focused on him. We don't leave them on their own to say, you figure it out. I had to figure it out when I was my age, you figure it out. No, no. We say, I'm supposed to diligently teach. This is my moment to sharpen you in the Lord. You are in a kid or a teenager or a young adult's life, life for a reason. How many of you have a young person who that you, you work with? Raise your hand. You work with a young person maybe at your job. You're there for a reason. That young adult needs you. You have influence over kids. Maybe you're a parent and you have them in your home. We have a responsibility to them, not just a privilege. We do have the privilege. I think it's a privilege. But we also have this responsibility that's really not optional. Okay, all the other work that I do is amazing, but if I don't disciple my own kid, I have to stand before Jesus for that decision, right? When I, when I train churches to do kids' ministry, I give everybody a... I should have brought it, a wool dryer ball. Do you know what I'm talking about? A little, and I say, write the name of a kid on there because you're a shepherd, this is your sheep. Write the names of the kids on this dryer ball, take them home. So I do this, this is like my thing. I take dryer balls around with me, it's kind of crazy. I have one at my house that has Eleanor, my daughter's name on it, to remind me that I can shepherd everyone, I can do a lot, but I have to stand before Jesus because this is my responsibility. I have a privilege in other kids' lives, but as a parent, that's my responsibility. And I'm not gonna take it lightly. You know, we know Proverbs 22, six. Anybody, can anybody finish it? It's not on the screen, so you can't cheat. I didn't give him this one. Train up a, in the way he or she, yes. Isn't it interesting? And, she, and he or she will not depart from it, right? Isn't that interesting that Deuteronomy tells us to teach and we see in Proverbs to train up. There's, there's like two sides to this. We're teaching and we're training. And we're teaching and we're training. And we know this, right? We do this with little kids. We're teaching them, don't touch the stove. And then we're training them when they reach, we grab their hand, right? We're teaching and we're training. We're teaching and we're training. It's not just a privilege, not just a responsibility. But can I just say it's a huge need? It's hard to be a young person today. And I know right away, some of you go, well, not as hard as when I was a kid. I had to, well, where I live, I had to walk to school uphill in snow both ways. Do you say that here about the snow? Because I don't think that's true, okay? Because <laughs> my grandpa says that, and it is true, maybe, that there was snow, and it was uphill and both ways. But it's really hard. Let me just remind you of something. 
when you were in school, me as well, when we were in school, we went home at three o'clock every day. That was kind of the end of it. If you had a mean kid in your class who was bugging you, or maybe in junior high, literally, like tormented you, at three o'clock it was over, and you had a reprieve from that until 8 a.m. That doesn't exist in kids' lives anymore, right? Because of the electronics in their pocket, even if your kid doesn't, okay, we're, we're super, my husband was an Apple genius, so we are super strict on technology rules because we see the damage it has done in other people's lives from working with Apple. But even if my kid doesn't have a phone, there's still a whole conversation going on. By the time she gets to school tomorrow, it could be viral, right? It is different. There's a saying, 14 is the new 24. We've sort of thrown our kids into this unintended global experiment by saying, here's your pacifier and here's your screen, right? And then we go, could you just be normal? No, they can't be normal. It's hard. There's a great need for truth and love. (laughs) Truth and love. I think I read that somewhere. Speak the truth in love. There's a great need for this. There's a over and over and over in the Old Testament, and I won't get into this today, but you're welcome to study it. We see what happens when one generation misses it with the next. Over and over. One generation follows, they don't tell of God's goodness, and so the next generation falls away. And then they, it's like the cycle, right? And then they don't walk with the Lord, and then God rescues them, or first he tries to like get rid of them, and then he saves them, and then he rescues them, and then they walk with the Lord, and then they forget to tell about God's goodness, and the next generation falls. Listen, not on my watch. I am not going to let this generation do that. Not on my watch. Amen? This is, this is not... Um, me beating them over the head with the truth, right? (laughs) That's not gonna work. (laughs) Those days used to work, the same reason we used to spank kids at school, right? But times are different. We don't do that anymore, right? Maybe some of you think we should, but we don't do that anymore because times are different, kids are different. It's a different generation. But the need for speaking the truth in love is even greater than before. So I wanna talk really practical. I am a Uh, I'm a preacher that uses a lot of scripture and speaks really practically. Because if you leave here today and you're inspired, but you don't do anything, then it really wasn't worth us being here. Amen? So how do we do this? The first thing that I want to urge and plead with you to do is to pray. To earnestly pray for the young people that you know. James 5 says the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective, okay? You can pray for kids that you you know. It doesn't even have to be a kid that you even know their name. That kid that you see at the bus stop as you drive to work every morning, pray. We had kids in our home in foster care, and sometimes it was a really great experience, and other times it was really terrible, (laughs) like really terrible. And sometimes, a few of them gone home and we, had, we have no idea where they are. We know nothing about them since the day they left our home and it's heartbreaking. But here's what I do know. They're still on my prayer list. I'm still speaking their name before the Lord every day and I may be the only person in their entire life to do that. But I'm believing that all my children shall be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace, amen? I'm speaking that over kids who were in my home six weeks to say, you know what? They were my children, I count them as children. And so I'm gonna pray for them. 
I was with Charles as we were in the toddler room, and he was introducing me to all the toddlers, nailed all of their names, and one of the volunteers, one of the leaders said, wow, you know all their names? And he said, yeah, because they're on my prayer list. Now that's a good leader. That will move your kids down the field just because he's praying for them. If nothing else happens, bring your kids here so they get on his prayer list, <laughs> right? <laughs> you have a wayward son. You have a daughter who's strayed. You have grandkids who don't know Jesus. I don't know your situation, but I do know that the word says, like I said, all my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. And so I'm saying that over and over. I actually have a, this is, it's from my Bible, like literally my prayer list is right here. Verses and things I pray for this generation. Like I, I'm not just saying this, I really do believe that there's power in prayer. <laughs> because I've seen it, right? You've seen it, you've seen answered prayers. And even if they take a while, even if it takes a generation, I'm still gonna do it. That's my, that's my privilege and my responsibility. The other thing is to pray with them. <laughs> Sometimes I think we forget about this and we pray before a meal and that's it. But remember that we're training and teaching and training and teaching all the time. So I'm, I'm actually gonna share it with parents are sticking around a really practical way that you can help your kids to pray that, that's been really effective in our house. Pray for them, pray with them. Listen, if you have a, a young person and you're like, I don't even know, like I literally, I don't even know what to do with you, just pray. I shouldn't even say just pray. I should say, you have the opportunity to pray, right? Because it's not just, like that's the last resort, like it won't make any difference, like it's our last ditch effort. We get to pray for them and to pray with them. The other thing, really practical is to model it. Ouch. <laughs> if we want them to be like Lydia in Acts, who was a businesswoman, who was deeply connected to the Lord, then we have to model that. You're a businessman, a businesswoman, they've got to see that you're deeply connected to the Lord. If we want our kids to be like Peter, willing to share the gospel with people who have never heard it, then we have to model that even though it's really uncomfortable for most of us. Do our kids hear us pray? Do they see us reading our Bibles? Do they see us loving others? Like that'll go a long way, right? Do they see us serving? Do they see that we don't just like consume, but we actually serve? Do they see us sharing our faith? My, my daughter's like fascinated by a prayer language when she was like four. What is it that you're saying? And I just said, I'm just praying. It just became normal, but she began to see it, to hear it. It's normal to her. So we, we pray, we model, and here's the other one that I want to encourage you to do, and this might be a stretch for some of you, is to ask questions. This is really like the most powerful tool I could give you. Everybody say this after me. I wonder, that would be so effective in hanging out with young people, kids, teenagers, young adults, I wonder. I wonder why you think that. I wonder what the Bible says about that. And then you just let it hang. I wonder why God says that in his word. And then you just let it hang. It's one of the most powerful phrases you can use. Everybody say, I wonder. I wonder, I wonder is there anyone in scripture who 
feels like you do right now. I wonder, does the Bible address that specifically? I wonder when you feel closest to God, and then you make that happen. I wonder. Very easy. (laughs) Try it, I promise. Try it, see what happens. What I found is that kids fill in the blanks. I wonder if there's anyone in scripture who feels like that, and they go, oh yeah, wasn't there Daniel who got made fun of for his faith, kind of? Yeah, yeah, and what did he do, right? Instead of me saying, don't feel like that, there's someone in the Bible, and he was fine, you should be fine, like, come on, right? There's a difference there that we let them discover, right? Kids have this natural uh, leaning towards discovery. So when we say, I wonder what scripture says, that invites them into the process to actually apply what the Bible says. You, you hear something that you know is not right, then you gotta challenge that thinking right away. We're teaching them to take captive every thought, amen? So we say, I wonder why you feel that way. Wonder what's making you say that. You hate me? <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder if any other teenagers ever feel like that. I wonder if any teens, are there, I wonder if there's anyone else in your school that feels alone. I wonder what you could do about it, right? We're training them just by asking questions. We have a great privilege, a great responsibility, and there's a great need, but listen, we can do this. Here's the final scripture I wanna share with you because when we do, there's great promises. This is Psalm 127. Children are a heritage from the Lord. So for those of you who came in here today and argued with your kids on the way to church who wouldn't wear the shoes they were supposed to wear, let me just remind you they're a heritage (laughs) and a blessing (laughs) and reframe that a little bit. Their offspring are a reward for him, but listen, like arrows in the hands of a weapon, right? Are children born in one's youth. Remember that word, sharpen? Like an arrow. So we want to affect the world, then let's disciple the young people God's given us. We want to change the world, then, then let's make sure that our kids are taken care of. We want to sharpen the kids that are here at church, then let's sponsor them to get to winter camp. Right? Like, I'm just being real. That's real. That's a sharpening moment for them. So what do we need to do as a church to get them there? We want to sharpen our arrows, or we want to launch them out into the world, right? That we're not keeping them, we're not hoarding them, (laughs) we're not saying these are our kids, but we're sharpening them and we're sending. We're sharpening and we're sending. That's the kingdom of God. So when we get this right, they're like arrows, right? They've been sharpened, so we get to shoot them out into the world so they'll finish the Great Commission, amen? I want to pray this morning as we close. There's a couple things as I prayed specifically. I said, Lord, what is it? (laughs) Like, we know these truths, right? I don't think anything I said is that profound. What is it that keeps us from doing this? I think there's a couple things. One I think is shame. We go, well, I messed it up with my own kid. Well, I haven't been doing that anyway, so why start now? Or too little, too late. My grandkids don't walk with the Lord. Or my niece and nephew don't even know Jesus. Or I've lived here how long and I haven't said anything to that kid? Right, shame is always the voice of the enemy. Can I just say that? That's not what God's calling us to. I'm gonna go, Mel, it's too late for you. Too late for that kid. That's not the voice of the Lord. 
The other thing I think is that sometimes we need to be set free from our own upbringing, right? Bless the mamas and grandmas and dads and, and granddads and pastors and all the people that have shaped us into who we are, but there's some of us that didn't have a positive experience. And so we go, I can't be a good parent because I don't know what I'm doing. The God of the universe gave you instructions and is walking beside you every day. I feel like someone may need to know you are your kid's parent on purpose. You are your kid's grandparent on purpose. We don't have to be perfect. We just got to do what the word says. The other thing I think that keeps us is fear. Like, well, I don't know all the answers to their questions. It's great. You have a great pastoral staff here. <laughs> they can answer questions. But we also don't know all the answers, and that's okay. Can I just say that? Don't be afraid. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to get it right every time. You don't have to. There's no fear in showing love. We might mess up. We might not know all the answers. But we can still teach and train. We can. You can. You can do it. Because they sure need us. So I want to pray today specifically for those three things. Just shame and fear and kind of a, a, a freedom from our past. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us your word so that we may go into all the world and share the good news of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you've promised that your word is full of promises over this generation, that they would be taught of the Lord and that they, great would be their peace, God. I thank you that you have promised that when we train up a child, they won't depart from it. God, we stand on those promises. We take captive the thoughts that say, I can't do this, or I don't know what I'm doing, or I've done it wrong, or I've already missed my chance. We take captive to those thoughts and we make them obedient to Christ and say, that is not the truth. God, we repent um, from, from allowing our upbringing to affect what we're doing now. We repent of that, Lord, and we say, we want to start fresh. I pray that you would set us all free from the fear of the unknown, from the fear of, of expectations. God, that we know that you have equipped us for every good work. And so I speak over parents and grandparents and employers and employees who are interacting with young people even today, Lord, that you would give them great joy in the privilege, that you give them great understanding in the responsibility, and Lord, that you would expand our hearts to understand the need, that we would be people who who care for young people with an empathy that we only see modeled in Jesus. That when they experience us, that they would experience you. Because we want to shoot them out into the world to finish the Great Commission. God, you equipped us to do that, and we will be obedient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.